So welcome once again to my podcast, Discover the Hidden Potential of Your Mind. I haven't recorded anything in a while, so I'm especially happy today to be here with my affiliate, Andy Schmalz. Andy is an osteopathic manual practitioner and a certified athletic therapist, and he has 15 years of clinical experience. So welcome, Andy. I'm excited to do today's episode with you. Well, thank you so much for having me, Angelica. This is my first opportunity to um, do any type of recorded podcast, so uh, I'm really excited and uh, grateful that you provided me with this uh, with this chance. Absolutely. Let's just have fun today. We have lots of interesting stories we can share, so let's do this. Absolutely. Um, I've gotten to know Andy as an extremely knowledgeable and skilled, but most importantly, very heart-centered human being. He treats each client with compassion, with wisdom, with respect, and um, you will feel very comfortable on his treatment table. And not just with the treatment itself, but also to let him know what's going on beyond the physical, what's going on on an emotional and mental level. And that's our topic today, because Andy beautifully combines energy medicine, nutrition, and environmental influences with the traditional therapeutic concepts so that he can really address each client's unique needs. So Andy, would you like to share a little bit more about yourself and your path and how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I started off uh, many years ago not knowing exactly where I wanted to end up and was fortunate enough to, at the end of that phase of the journey, be exactly where I wanted to be. I uh, started off by taking kinesiology at Western, thinking that I wanted to work with athletes and injuries, which led me into athletic therapy over at Sheridan College. While I was in Sheridan, I was exposed to osteopathy through a couple of the faculty members there and did a little bit more reading and researched and realized that, yep, absolutely, this is the program that I wanted to take. So I enrolled at the Canadian College of Osteopathy in Toronto uh, and completed that program, uh, which gave me the therapeutic background that I have. But then there's the other side of the scenario, which are the life experiences that have a strong influence on the person that you become and therefore the type of practitioner that you are. For sure, yes. Yeah, for me, it was the always kind of exploring that realm of mind and body and why things happen the way that they do. Why does life present you with different scenarios, which sometimes are frustrating and other times can be seen as learning opportunities. From there, I... Uh, there was some health issues that uh, my close family members, my first wife, had to experience. And in the process of that entire um, experience, it really drove me towards understanding more that being present in your heart and in your mind was far more important than trying to understand all the different facts that are necessary in order to make decisions and in order to guide your own life's uh, life path. So that really pushed me in towards the type of practice that I currently have, where I focus largely on the entire process or the entire experience that somebody's having at this moment in time, which is the mind and the body and even the soul. Mm, beautiful. All right. I love that because our life experiences all take us to a certain point, of course, and that awareness that we need to be present in the heart is so, is so huge for healing. Absolutely. And one of the things I love most about your treatments 
is that you and actually everybody else in your clinic as well, the clinic is called Awakening Health and isn't located in Burlington, that all of you have a clear awareness that there is a strong mind-body connection that a practitioner has to be aware of and address. And sometimes that influence of emotional or mental state on the physical can be 10 or 15 percent. Another time it might be 80 or 85 percent. So it might not always be huge, but there is very often it is very beneficial to ask the question, what is going on beyond the physical? And that's where our work overlaps, your and mine, because as a belief change coach and relationship coach, I work with the subconscious beliefs and with emotions. And that's where it beautifully, yeah, adds adds to each other or combines beautifully. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I mean, I, I would take a look. I mean, you, you mentioned the idea of things sometimes being more towards a physical side or more towards an emotional side. And the reality is nothing is ever going to be 100% one direction or the other. You could take a look at the simplest example of a high school athlete and an ankle sprain. And that ankle sprain could have simply happened because you landed on somebody's foot and you sprained this ankle. But... What about the idea that maybe now there's the feelings of letting your teammates down, the feelings of missing out on the sport that you love? There's always going to be an, a bit of an emotional impact. Or perhaps that particular athlete had a lot of stress in their life. Somebody they cared about was sick or there's a difficulty between their parents at home that was creating some stress that was not allowing their body to function at its optimal performance, right? So there's always a possibility that there was emotional things feeding in towards an injury or emotional consequences afterwards. But in order to truly treat that particular ankle sprain to the most complete way possible, the mind absolutely needs to be addressed. Beautiful. I love that you brought that example of an injury because lots of people aren't aware that even with an injury, it's not just simply a physical uh, problem, but that there's other things going on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, great. And it's a question of what was feeding into the injury, and of course, then the consequences afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, and that's uh, what I want to do in today's episode. If you just take turns and talk about different examples, uh, so great that you already jumped in there with the first one. Um, what I've been writing about and talking about for the last fifteen years is that the ever since I've been in the alternative health field, actually, that the physical issues are holding or carrying message for, messages for us. When we actually listen and when we see, okay, these things happen for a reason, uh, it's not just about getting rid of the symptoms. When we listen, we can really get messages for our emotional and mental well-being. And sometimes our body is really literal, that it's so funny. I mean, one of the examples I like to give to explain this to clients is that when you have a bladder infection you might want to ask who are you pissed at <laughs> yeah. and people always laugh about that but it hits home because this is how literal our body can be uh, we might want to explore anger when we have bladder infections either chronic bladder infections or it suddenly hits you and comes on really hard so uh, we can always go, okay, wh what is the message here? And of course, that bladder infection example is very simplified. Um, human beings are a little bit more complicated than that. Mm. But it illustrates the point I'm trying to make that nothing is just simply physical and we just need to take medication or get rid of the symptoms in another way. But 
it's it's more intricate than that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, there's almost two different ways of looking at it where you could assume that everything in life is just random and stuff happens to you. Or you look at it from the point of view that nothing really is random and that everything is part of a process. It uh, doesn't mean that every single moment in your life is predetermined, but to me, a bunch of those smaller types of things that happen to us on a daily basis can be those subtle reminders from life that maybe it's time to slow down. Maybe it's time to look at something from a different perspective. Maybe uh, we need to recognize the influence that our mind is having or our current emotional state is having on our physical body. And it is a two-way street. I mean, that is something to keep in mind that the mind can influence the body, but the body can also influence the mind. And that's uh, something that I'm always really cognizant or, or thoughtful about. Um, and a lot of those types of concepts to me also stem nicely from if you've ever done any reading in towards traditional Chinese medicine and, and those different emotional influences, especially tied with different lines of qi or um, from an osteopathic perspective, organs in the body there's always a pretty strong link between those different things. And sometimes just bringing that link to the attention or the awareness of an individual helps to dissolve the uh, chronic injury. Absolutely. Wonderful. I had to smile when you said, because sometimes you need to slow down. That's why you get an issue. And it's funny because we just talked about that a few weeks ago when I broke a toe. Mm -hmm. And that message was very clearly for me to slow down and to put my feet up. And so um, it's actually quite beautiful once you start asking what's going on. Um, there's still something to do with what shows up. Mm -hmm. And especially when you think to yourself that you've got a plan, this is what I want to do, and then life kind of introduces the other things to you. This is no, no, but this is what you are going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So letting go of control, I think, is a big one for a lot of us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, do you have another example for us from your clinical practice in terms of uh, how the whole mind-body um, connection plays into healing. Yeah, there's many times uh, in clinical practice, I mean, anybody from different backgrounds, if you're in a clinic long enough, you, you really start to have some of those examples that really drive home that mind-body connection. I mean, a, a clear one that comes to mind is that strong connection between lungs and grief. Mm. And I remember years ago, I had a um, uh, lady in clinic who had an issue with her neck, couldn't turn her neck towards the right-hand side. The pain seemed to come out of nowhere. There was no real root cause, no fall, no car accident. Um, but I'd known her quite well, and uh, this poor lady had lost uh, her dog. And her dog was extremely important to her. Uh, a few months prior when he passed away, um, you know, he had been there for her through all kinds of different life transitions and she was providing a lot of care for this uh, dog at the end of uh, his life and a few months later after she feels that she's over some of these uh, emotions related to the passing of the dog all of a sudden her neck is hurting well you know what you do some assessment things and realize that well, there's a strong restriction on this left side of the lung and there is a strong connection between grief and tension around the lungs and rib area and so we released it brought it to her awareness and just kind of let her know that there might be some emotional changes as a result of the work that we did today uh, so that she wouldn't be home unprepared and the next time i saw her she told me she went home that night and later cried as if it was the same night when the dog passed away. 
In some respects, it's almost like the strongest emotions are too much for our bodies to be able to tolerate or handle in that moment in time. So we feel what we can feel, and then we take the extra that we just can't handle because it's too much and park it someplace for now. And then later when life becomes a bit more stable, that's when all these things come up to the surface. Yes, that's especially true for grief, actually. I love your example because I also do grief work. Mm -hmm. And very often we do not learn how to handle grief. We do not learn what to do. We learn all these myths about grief. Or sometimes the situation just requires that, like you said, we have to park it. We have to push it down. (laughs) But as long as it's not complete, it actually has an accumulative effect. Grief accumulates. And grief doesn't just mean somebody dies or even a pet dies. It means all kinds of losses. It means the loss of a relationship. It means the loss of your job, the loss of your health, a move. Big life changes create grief. So uh, that's beautiful too. Yeah, and that again is where our works overlap or where um, one ties into the other, right? You, You can find out there's something sitting in the lungs and potentially there's a piece of grief work that that can be done or needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's important to be able to recognize the, the limitations of, say, my own background, right? I can bring things to people's awareness. I can help them understand some of the connections. But when it comes to the full, complete treatment, well, if some of those emotions haven't been processed or maybe they need extra help in the processing, it's important that that help is is seeked out that you work with a professional of some sort to help you remove the impacts of that trauma or process the emotions properly otherwise we'll slide into a chronic cycle of that same issue showing up from time to time and it goes away for a few months and then it comes back and it goes away for six months and it keeps coming back because the root emotion might not have been dealt with at that time yeah yeah, that's and good it's to know. totally acceptable that you can't deal with it in the moment right it's especially on the big emotions i mean sometimes we still need to survive in life and focus on all the other things that are going on but when things do calm down and life is a, in a better place, I think that's a, a great time to work on processing and healing those emotional traumas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. <clears throat> well, let's see um, what other examples we can bring. I mean, one of the things that seems to be a common complaint is headaches and migraines. And I'm curious to see what your take on, on that is. And uh, over the years, I found that there's different influences Obviously, there's environmental influences that could be um, food influences, could be related to what we eat. Um, But it's also very helpful to monitor your thoughts and feelings and to to figure out what's going on. What have I been thinking? What stories am I running? What narratives am I running in my head? What emotions have I been feeling based on those beliefs and stories before the headache started or if I have chronic regular headaches, what is actually going on? And I found that um, Deb Shapiro with her book, Your Body Speaks Your Mind, gives actually seven um, causes for headaches, which can be very helpful to look at. Um, So the first thing she says, it could be about spending too much time in your head as opposed to in your heart. And (laughs) so a good question is, am I, am I spending too much time in my head? Am I worrying too much? Am I thinking too much, planning too much, Mm -hmm. trying to control things too much? Mm -hmm. Um, Another cause could be that I'm pushing myself too hard to achieve. So that perfectionist part that we all have Mm -hmm. could be taking over a bit. Um, 
Perhaps it's repressed emotions. That would be a third thing. Um, feelings of anger, resentment, frustration, anxiety. When they are pushed down, and we all do it, that's how we usually deal with emotions. When they rise back up from the subconscious mind, they, they literally kind of get stuck in the head. Um, it's, it's built up energy, so maybe I need to deal with some emotions. Uh, maybe it's my personality. Do I tend to be a little stubborn, perhaps? Or mm -hmm. do I have a strong uh, controlling protector? No judgments with all of those personality parts. They're certainly helping us. Or the fifth cause she names is that the headache might be the only way to get what I actually need. For example, rest. So I've seen repeatedly clients who have a regular migraine or headache, like at least once a month. And when you talk and you figure out what's going on, you realize that's the only time this person allows herself, himself, often it's herself, to actually stop and rest and not do anything. And, and other family members can finally take over and then do everything that's usually on that person's to-do list. Mm -hmm. So uh, to <clears throat> be honest, what secondary gain might there be in this issue? There's no, no blame. It's not like we're creating this consciously, but our body has found a way to give us what we actually need. Um, of course, then there's other causes like a lack of exercise or like I mentioned earlier, food or chemical allergies. So uh, the point I just want to make before I get your opinion on the headaches and migraines is that our body's our friend. It's trying to help us in some way. Um, so we want to ask, what does this injury, illness, symptom, prevent me from doing or being? And what does it allow me to do or be or have? Mm -hmm. And the headaches are a great example because they are something that is a very common symptom out there for a lot of people that they experience on a somewhat regular basis. Sometimes they are uh, chronic migraines or more of like a chronic tension headache. Um, you know, tied into um, what you had said, I think we always keep in mind to the the other layers one of the layers that wasn't mentioned there was the potential previous injuries right so if you have had those car accidents or even those those tumbles sometimes we forget the time that you and you were six years old or ten years old and you're playing with your friends that you fell off of the play structure at the playground or that you did have a car accident when you were 17 years old and it might not have been significant but there might still be an imprint or if you played sports or even without sports, just life sometimes. People have accidents and falls where there might have been a concussion or anything like that. So those previous layers do come in. Now, we could look at it also from that perspective of when those bigger events happened, the whiplashes or the concussion, okay, maybe that was setting the stage for something in the future. And at this moment in time, your body is screaming at you saying, hey, what I'm doing isn't quite working. Because your body is your friend, but your body is also an escape artist. It's always looking to avoid pain and discomfort as much as possible. And eventually, we hit a point where we can't. That's the proverbial, hey, I turned 40 and all of a sudden my body started to fall apart. Well, it has more to do with the cumulative wear and tear that your body's had to experience. And that's some of the physical things and some of the emotional things right? The stresses, the inflammatory effects of certain foods that we might have. But all those layers kind of culminate in what might be a chronic headache. And so you're absolutely right. Let's take a half a step back in that moment and wonder what 
might be all of the things feeding into this. And it might not be from this last day. It might be from the last month. It might be from the last 10 years. Or it might be just the slow build over the course of the 47 years of your lifetime to this point. I love how you summarize that. Great. <clears throat> and that there's an imprint from the previous injuries is, is an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. so, it's it's yeah. always there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are ways that you can treat things completely and like we touched on before I mean there could still be a slight physical imprint with the ways that the tissues have healed uh, but there could always be a slight emotional imprint that mm -hmm. hasn't been dealt with and that's always the trick is trying to you know understand the person completely so that you are addressing all of those potential roots mm -hmm. nice wonderful great Yeah, I mean, do you have another example? Otherwise, I, I would suggest that we maybe talk about indigestion and stomach issues. Or yeah, I mean, yeah. there's millions of examples. Uh, they seem to just keep coming out as we as we talk. Yes. So maybe we'll move in towards some of the uh, the stomach issues, and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, when it comes to eating and digesting, um, we need to keep in mind that it's not just about absorbing the, the nutrients into our physical body but that we're also swallowing and assimilating and taking in all our experiences and absorbing everything that's happening to us, including the feelings we have about what's happening. So our digestive system can mirror our emotional state and can mirror what's going on for us in terms of taking life in. Um, and I mean, as an osteopath, you deal a lot with all the inner organs, right? And with with that piece of digestion. Um, well, what do you see? What conflicts, what stresses, what, what emotional turmoil do you see that people uh, have trouble taking in and that could show up in indigestion? Yeah, from the uh, perspective of an osteopathic manual practitioner, that's uh, there's many layers. Right? There's the, uh, you know, the, how, the, how busy are you while you're eating, right? Food consumption ideally is something that happens in a relatively calm state where we're actually able to chew our food properly. That first step is a step that a lot of us only do part way because, well, geez, we're in a bit of a rush and I better shove this food in my face before I have to go pick up my kids from schools or whatever. So you're already starting that digestive process process in a in a improper way. Um, but at the same time, there's the layers of stress. And I mean, I think... Stress is something that can't be underrated and the influences that it will have on your digestive system. It essentially, I mean, in the simplest form, it just leads to inflammatory changes. The chronic release of your stress hormone cortisol that a lot of people have heard of, it does create long-term inflammatory changes to your stomach area, but especially small, large intestines. And from our perspective, a lot of that inflammation that starts to affect the layers of connective tissue that surround these organs. And that's where we start to get into that area where mind and body and even physical things, that same inflammation could be caused by some food sensitivities. Things that you may or may not realize is in your food. Not always big, big things. You know, everybody gets on wheat and dairy and, and potentially meats at this time. Uh, but it's sometimes it's some small things that you may specifically be reacting to within your food. But all of those different things can affect the, or uh, can create some inflammatory changes 
that then change those layers of connective tissue around those organs and sets the stage for the back pains or some of the chronic leg issues and the things that we have. So it's important to look at it from that physical side, but of course, again, like we said at the start, the stress and the emotions we're experiencing, even at the time that we're eating or in life in general at that moment, can change our body's ability to absorb that food. And I think, too, uh, one of the more important ideas is the gratitude that maybe we should all be having when we consume some food that, wow, I am lucky enough to live in a part of the world where I do have food available to me, right? And that's a piece, I think, that is also underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that reminder, A, to take time when you eat, to actually sit down and not watch TV or be on the computer or do it standing up while you're running out the door or in the car, but... To, to do it with more consciousness, with more awareness and gratitude, you, you said, yeah. yeah. None of us can be perfect with it. I yeah. mean, realistically, I mean, I'm always in a rush. I mean, I've got uh, kids at home and trying to run a clinical practice and, you know, just life in general. So it's never going to be perfect. It's always uh, something we feel we can do better. But knowing that there's many influences that can affect that digestive system that could then lead to some of the acidity issues and the reflux things and the other symptoms that we might experience. Absolutely. They might be a bit better if we can slow them down, even if it's just part of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, didn't uh, hear this as, uh, you know, you're, you're lecturing at all. We all have to cut ourselves some slack. Yes. Yeah. But we, we can sometimes, uh, sometimes we need a reminder to do better, that we can do better. Um, yeah, so, okay, good. So we've really established that um, indigestion can be caused by the wrong foods, uh, what we might be allergic to, what we can't digest, what doesn't agree with us, but also uh, by worry and stress, because that's held primarily in the stomach, right? Would you agree? Or I do, I do. And I, I do think, uh, you know, with some of the examples that we've, we've uh, talked about, even with the migraines or the headaches and, uh, you know, even the indigestions, it is always important to still have that strong relationship with a family doctor of some sort um, so that you can make sure that none of these symptoms, which can present as other things, you know, uh, sometimes conditions that do need to be treated by a medical doctor, uh, those conditions could potentially be dealt with on that side. But if you've gone through and done a bunch of testing and everything's clear and you're left with this reflux that just simply won't go away or you're left with these kind of the bloating that you can't quite figure out what's going on okay now let's explore the whole realm here let's see all the different things that might be causing some of these issues you're experiencing mm-hmm. yeah i mean as you mentioning acid reflux um according to this author deb shapiro that i just mentioned earlier um, her question to ask is, what issues or feelings are you swallowing that are bitter, sour, or upsetting? And I find that if I ask that question, I often find something where, you know, I'm stressed about something or, um, yeah, so. And I think, too, we, we kind of forget we're so good at accommodating to certain levels of stress or busyness in life we get so we, used to it right we, we don't even notice anymore we're stressed yeah, yeah. i mean i tell people in, in clinic all the time just imagine if you could take yourself out of your own life for three months and you're on a beach by the ocean or a cabin in the mountains whatever your thing is to completely unplug your needs are met and you really spend three months and just charge your batteries and then come back in and live one week of your regular everyday life 
right? Mm -hmm. You figure, oh my God, my stress levels are ridiculous. I can't understand what I was doing before. But it's what we get used to. So sometimes those stresses are just that everyday wear and tear that we've accommodated to because it's just the way it's been for us for a very long time. Mm -hmm, for sure, right? So this constantly being in a bit of a fight or flight mode, uh, we get so used to, to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you have another example or should we wrap it up for today? Uh, I think, you know, another common one uh, example that I... I you see or, or maybe drives home that mind-body connection seems to be say I'll just use the example of something like an anxiety right anxiety is another one that people experience fairly frequently and of course there's going to be different grades different um, amounts we'll call it or intensities mm -hmm. of anxiety some people have just mild feelings of anxiousness and other people obviously have much more severe anxiety attacks that might require uh, more treatment uh, But then there's that, again, that connection between the mind and the body. For example, the anxious feelings create some changes that they stimulate that sympathetic or that fight or flight part of the nervous system that you touched on and maybe change our breathing patterns, cause some of the tissue around the lower rib cage, the diaphragm, even into the digestive organs, things to tighten up because of those blood flow changes and some of the inflammatory effects of the things that are released, the hormones that are released for the long term. And it does seem then that the tighter some of those things become, the more restrictive the physical imprint is, the easier it is to then experience those same emotions of anxiety. Or conversely, you were sick, you had an infection of some sort, and you required a couple of rounds of antibiotics, and maybe that has combined with other things in life, thrown off your bacteria in your intestines which also has a correlation with feeding in towards uh, feelings of anxiety if you didn't have them before right so it can be the mind affecting the body or it can be the body affecting the mind either way when you do have those symptoms symptoms it is an opportunity to take a look at life and say where are things out of balance and what needs to be dealt with because as we touched on at the very start it will be mind and it will be body It's just a question of what percentage, mm -hmm. right? Do we need a little bit more of a physical treatment with still working on some of the emotional roots? Or do we really need to focus on those emotional roots and then just deal with some of the physical imprints afterwards? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, I think that's, um, you summarized that beautifully, actually, to uh, end our session today. But let's not forget to share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you for a session <laughs> i believe you have a fabulous automatic booking system on your website yeah absolutely you i appreciate some contact you contact uh, info yeah yes we're uh, awakening health in burlington uh phone number here is 905-335-0372 the easiest way to book appointments is online uh www.awakeninghealth.ca uh there's simple links on the page uh or the front homepage for the website where you could just simply click to book an appointment uh, with either myself, uh, Dan Bozzi is a very skilled physiotherapist, we have Felicia Senza, naturopathic practitioner, uh, Andrew Sambos doing uh, exercise rehab. So we've got a lot of great people here that do try to all work as a team in order to figure out that mind-body connection, but where we can help you heal your life. Because the truth is, no matter what, You're the one that does all the healing, and the rest of us are just here to provide you with a bit of support and potentially guidance. 
Very nice. Yeah, I so agree. The, the client is the one who heals, who, who does the healing and the, the progress, but we're simply the guides, right? Absolutely. And to work with subconscious beliefs and emotions or to clear out fears, to work on past experiences, work perhaps with grief, you can reach me at uh, 905-286-9466. And that would be to either book an in-person appointment or we can also work through Zoom if you're further away. I'm located in Mississauga at this point, but actually looking at working from Andy's clinic in Burlington uh, next year. So more than happy to have you. <laughs> Wonderful. And um, otherwise, you can also send me an email. That's greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca. And on my website, you will find uh, many articles and other three resources like meditations, for example, to relax and work on your stress. And that website is greendoorrelaxation.net. So thank you so much, Andy, for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I think uh, I think I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this was I a lot of fun for me as well. <laughs> I have a feeling we might do this again in the future. Um, just having another nice, authentic conversation and just sharing some of our experiences. Exactly. And I think this, the experiences we all know are the things that really shape us. And, uh, and I think those experiences, when we pay close attention, yeah, absolutely guide uh, the type of person we become. And for people like ourselves, the type of practitioner and how you may potentially influence anybody that does come to see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Well, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully the, re- the listeners enjoyed this episode. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.